Last week, we began our Advent series uh, called He Shall Be Called. And Advent, as I mentioned last week, is about this arrival of a notable person. Uh, And we recognize he has come, but we recognize he's coming again. But through that first coming, there are these four things that this notable person is going to bring that nobody else was able to actually bring ever. And we are are starting to work through those, the first one being hope. And this week, we're going to talk about peace. And so 2020, right, it was crazy, but you know, 2021, uh, it feels like the crazy gene has continued on. Um, and like, here's some things of kind of what we've experienced in 2021. Let's uh, walk down memory road, and it's not actually a spectacular memory road, but uh, here are some of the things. One of the things, and I, this actually happened like right in January, the first uh, week, was there's that political unrest that happened uh, in the States. I forgot about this, right? They went into the and they were pillaging the capital. Um, as an American, unfathomable, like unbelievable, uh, really hard to comprehend uh, what took place on that day. Uh, the second thing, there was that winter storm in Texas. Do you remember the winter storm in Texas? Unbelievable. Never experienced anything like this. This isn't Montreal and the ice, you know, castle and sculpture and everything like that. This is Texas. Uh, and what has actually happened, and we're still feeling it today, and I uh, hopefully I get this right, is that I guess Texas has the two biggest fiberglass or only fiberglass places in the world, and they were like the roofs caved in, and it's actually affected, I believe it's fiberglass, it's some sort of product that is really it's struggling for the world to get, which is why we can't get some appliances, why appliances are all backed up and everything like that. And so we're still feeling the effects of this winter storm here throughout the world. Obviously, COVID-19 is still a thing, and we're still navigating through that, and there's still restrictions as we even are affected by that today. There's changes, there's division, there's more pain. There's a lot that goes along with what's happening with COVID-19. Fires in BC. Unfathomable year fires in BC. This is Lytton. This is what their main street that uh, I wish I had another picture to show what it looked like before, but wiped out the whole community. Gone. Record heat this year. And this went down actually as the deadliest natural disaster in Canadian history. I don't know if you knew that. This was actually this summer, the heat wave that we experienced was the deadliest natural disaster we experienced ever. And there was something like 560 deaths uh, caused by the heat. We right now, we're experiencing the floods that are happening in BC. Uh, unfathomable, the floods that are taking place in multiple communities. Um, and it, we've even felt that here as we've helped out those who have been affected by the flood in Merritt. Um, and so it's been great to help out th- them help, but it's sad to hear the stories of what they are not sure they're going back to and actually what they already know they're going back to. But then uh, shootings, they're still a thing. They're still going up. And I don't know if you know this, but in Montreal, there, a new gang trend is actually to shoot strangers. And so there in Montreal, there's gangs, and I don't know what they're doing, but part of what they are doing is this thing is they're just shooting strangers. And so random strangers are just getting shot by gangs. And so it's like, this is part of the reason why we may be excited that 2021 is coming to the end. And right, why we look to 2022 with such optimism. And we use the optimism as in the word of like hopeful. But as I mentioned last week, our hope is something secure and something certain. This is strictly optimism that we're hoping that next year is better than this year. But the reality is, is 2021 has brought... Yes, different disasters, terrible things, uh, things that we look back on. We can't say, I can't believe that happened. 
But it's been happening for years. If we look back in history, 9-11, right? Terrible disaster. I mean, we've, there's been a pandemic before. This isn't the first one. So there's pictures of, you know, of people laying dead or laying in their beds during the pandemic over 100 years ago. I mean, we've had history of tragedy. We've had history of horrific shootings. We've had even, you know, terrible tyrant leaders that we have seen. And what our world is actually longing for is peace. Usually, right, the Christmas season, you know, it helps people feel that sense of peace, that sense of, you know, that calmness, because there's something about Christmas, right, that brings peace. In World War I, I've mentioned this before, but this always amazes me, there was a peace truce at Christmas. And so on, late on Christmas Eve in 1914, men of the British Expeditionary Force heard German troops in the trenches opposite them singing carols and patriotic songs, and they saw lanterns and small fir trees uh, along their trenches. And so messages began to be shouted back and forth between the trenches. And so then the following day on Christmas, British and German soldiers met in no man's land and exchanged gifts. They took photographs, and some played impromptu games of football, a.k.a. soccer. And they also, they buried their casualties, they repaired trenches and dugouts. It was this day of peace between warring countries. And so if you feel like your family gathering's crazy on Christmas Day, listen, there's hope for you. I mean, it happened in between two rival armies. And so go knowing like, hey, I have hope that it's going to be good this Christmas. There will be peace. But that's the thing. This year at Christmas, for many, maybe it doesn't feel so peaceful. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you feel, you know, the anxiety of everything that you've gone through this year. Maybe you feel the anxiety and the stress of what you're experiencing right now. For some, you may be, you know, not be able to have your family traditions this year. I don't know. Getting together at Christmas, right, it's not, maybe not going to happen for a lot of us with those that we love, those that we care for. Maybe this season will feel a bit more lonely. I don't know. There's lots of transition that's happening in everybody's lives at this time. I would be willing to say this, that peace is the main thing our world is looking for, and peace has been actually what the world has been looking for since, you know, at the beginning. And as we read that text in Luke, and I'll read it again, this is what everybody was waiting for 2,000 years ago, peace on earth. Luke 2, 8 to 14 says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and laying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. In verse 10, there are some tra translations that state, Behold, I bring you good tidings. And we'll get to that behold as we later go through this sermon. And if you've watched right, Charlie Brown, Christmas, you know, you've heard Linus famously quote that, Behold, I bring you good tidings. And so what this meant, this good means, is that a multitude of angels were literally preaching the gospel to the shepherds. And this was a foreshadow of the peace that they would need in their life. They needed the gospel in their life. They needed the good news of what Jesus was going to bring in their life. They needed peace in their life. 
And so these shepherds, they were actually, they were considered social outcasts. They were broken people. And, and we think when we hear, you know, uh, just the word shepherds, we think of, you know, upstanding people within the community because Jesus was described as the good shepherd. But the reason he was called the good shepherd is because it actually had to be distinguished. The word good in there meant to distinguish the word shepherd. He was the good shepherd because shepherds had a bad reputation. They regularly confused thine with mine. And they were of such a bad reputation and they were untrusted in the communities that they weren't actually allowed to give testimony in the court of law. And so if something happened to you and a shepherd witnessed that, you know, you got beat up, you got mugged, and they could actually identify the person that, you know, beat you up and, and took your money. And you were like, I want to bring them into court. And they come into court and they come and give their testimony. They're like, actually, we can't take their testimony because that person's a shepherd. This is how looked down upon these people were. There was no peace in their life. So in verse 14, the shepherds there encountered with the word peace, and this is huge. The multitude of angels saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The shepherds, they actually had been waiting for the return of the Messiah. They knew he would bring this peace. And peace, like I said, was something that they were all strenuously longing for. Because what we recognize is that the shepherds, they were troubled. And that word trouble might resonate with us right now. We feel a bit troubled. Maybe not like we're in trouble. I'm not sure. I don't know where you are in life. But maybe you feel troubled. You just feel something's just off. Something's not right. And I resonate with that word too. Just things just don't feel right sometimes. And these shepherds, they waited for Emmanuel, for God with them. And so they mentioned peace was something everybody was longing for, everybody was looking for. And so even in the first century world, there was a sense of a need for peace and actually a need for a savior. And so Epictetus, he was in a first century pagan writer, and he expressed this. He said, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, from grief. And from envy, he cannot give peace of heart, for which man yearned for more than even outward peace. And so even a ruler recognizes, you know, we might be able to bring peace in times between countries, but that's not the peace that people are looking for. We can't bring that peace of envy, of strife, of those things within our heart that we just can't seem to be comfortable with. And it even continues to now. There's this quote I came across from former president, uh, American president, Dwight Eisenhower. And he said this, since the advent, and what a funny word to use as we, even, as we go through this quote and as we look at the season of advent. He said, since the advent of nuclear weapons, so since the arrival, since the coming of nuclear weapons, it seems clear that there is no longer any alternative to peace. If there is to be a happy and well world, he said, this is actually the piece that we're looking for, nuclear weapons. This is what everyone was searching for, though, a piece of heart. And Isaiah 9, 1-7 is where Isaiah, he speaks right to King Ahaz, as I mentioned last week, about the coming of the Messiah. And he calls this Messiah the Prince of Peace. And so the concept of a prince, right, it's not foreign to us. And, you know, if we check out the app stores and we look on our phone, many of the top games today are about kingdoms and about dominion and about the concept of a prince. A lot of them are about those kind of concepts. And so for our kids, right, movies and fairy tales are built around the idea of this prince and princess and someone saving somebody. 
And even as adults, Prince Harry, his wedding, second highest viewed thing that year. Only to the Super Bowl. Go America. And so, like, there is something about kingdoms and marriages that draw us. In these stories of a prince, right, you always see the prince coming to fight and to save the princess. And this is the story that we see, someone who is coming to fight to restore peace, but not actually fighting in the way that everybody thought he was going to fight. Because we need a prince to come into human history. We need one for ourselves, for everybody in this world. We needed somebody to come into human history and to take for himself a bride the church, you and I, to fight for us, to bring peace for us, to be our prince. Because peace was something that had been fractured. And you know what? The reason it was fractured wasn't by, you know, a bad ruler. I mean, a little bit of it, but then not the reason. What had been fractured was this relationship with us and God. This was the biggest fracture. This was where peace was needed. And so the prince of peace came to bring the first thing we see is this peace with God. There is no more peace with God within ourselves and with others. And so when the angel appeared, he said this. He said, fear not. We think, you know what, when an angel appears, like if an angel appeared, you know, I'd be taken back and it'd be like, fear not. I'd be like, okay, okay, we're cool then. Are we sure we're cool? Um, and, but he came, the angels came and they said, fear not. But the reason the angel said fear not is because up to this point in the Bible, up to this point in the story, People always experienced this, actually, this traumatic anxiety and fear when they got near to God or near to the angels who came from his presence. Because it goes all the way back to the original experience in Genesis 3. Because right there, right, we learned that humanity was designed for this perfect relationship with God, and that's how it was created. And so it follows that if you have a perfect relationship with an all-powerful, loving Lord of the world, you'll have no fear at all. And we saw that. Before the fall, right? Perfect peace. Adam and Eve, they talked. They walked with God. And there was no fear of him. But after the fall, after sin came in, after the fruit was eaten, peace was destroyed. Adam and Eve, you know, they recognized that they were naked and they realized something was different now between them and God. A peaceful relationship had been destroyed. And we think about the relationships in our lives with people that we know, and we think about, you know, when there is no peace, there's something that's off between the, relation, the, the conversation between us and them. It isn't peaceful for somebody in that relationship. And so we see the original plan for the human race to live in this perfect peace, this perfect harmony with God. And the fall began this separation between us and God. And after the fall, right, we experienced this fear and rejection. But before the fall, we knew that we were loved by God. They knew they were loved by God. And after the fall, they had fear of future and circumstances. But before Adam and Eve, they knew that he was good and they can trust him. And so the shepherds, they experienced this terror before the angels. It wasn't simply this fear of the uncannity or being surprised. Because when God's glory appeared, it always accentuated and intensified their fundamental fearfulness because they were separated from him. They're like, oh no, God, you're too powerful. I'm so sorry. And they would just feel this separation from his presence when any time an angel of the Lord appeared. And so the angel had this astonishing message that it said, you won't have to be afraid anymore. 
if you look at what I'm going to show you. This is huge. You're not going to have to be afraid anymore. Actually, you're not going to have to fear not. Fear not. There's something spectacular I want to show you that's going to change the relationship that you are experiencing right now. So the fear that inhabits the deep places of our soul, the things that we're going through right now, we feel separate, we feel this anxiety. The Lord's saying, fear not, because peace has come. Peace is with you. Because peace at this, in the Old Testament was described as this, shalom. It was described, and you've probably heard this word before, but it was described as shalom. And it was this perfect peace. And to bring shalom meant this, to make something complete. And so when Solomon, he brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completed it, when he put that last stone in, it was now perfect. It was in perfect peace. It was completed. In the Old Testament, if you accidentally, you know, damage your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a, a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it back to wholeness. You make it complete again. So the same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is this, to bring shalom, to make complete again. And so actually, in, when rival kingdoms in the Bible, they would battle, and they would then, at the end of the battle, when they stopped fighting, they would make shalom. And what that meant was this. It meant that they would actually start working together to benefit one another, to bring completeness to that relationship. And so the state of shalom in Israel's kings, they were supposed to cultivate that. But it rarely happened. And so the prophet Isaiah, he said, there will be a future prince of shalom. And his reign would bring shalom with no end, with no time, uh, when God, he would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make all things, all the wrongs right, and he would heal all that has been broken. Perfect shalom. And we see that story played out. And we're seeing it played out. Right? In Genesis, there was shalom. Peace then was destroyed by the, by the sin entering, and there was no longer peace between God and his people, no longer peace within the world. Now, if I can give you a picture of what this looks like, I have some basketball cards here. It says Justin McGarry on here. Uh, don't worry, I stole these from him. No, I was kidding. Uh, no, we made a deal. The deal was I'm taking these from you, and I won't be. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, we made it. He's my best friend. Don't worry. And so... I have these basketball cards, a complete set of basketball cards. The beautiful thing, I've had these cards for a long, long time. Uh, there's some old guys in here, like Isaiah Thomas, Dennis Rodman. Oh, some classics. John Stockton. Um, anyways, I'm going down memory road here. Now that I have kids and I have a son, he likes to take my basketball cards. And he likes to take basketball cards out of here. He has, he has ruined perfect shalom uh, within my basketball cards. And so we can see that one's missing here. And so this is kind of like the relationship with God. Complete set. Everything was made perfectly. Everything was completed where it should be. And then what happened is sin came in and destroyed and it took a card and it kind of just, this guy's not very good. So I just like, shalom was just gone. And so this is what started to happen when peace was destroyed. The set Everything that was completed just began to be destroyed and was destroyed and there was no way to fix it. And the kings, they were trying to pick up the cards and to make it better again, but they couldn't get the order right. They didn't know where to place everything that needed to be placed in to make peace again in our world. 
And so a prince needed to come, a prince of peace. Yeah, technical difficulties. <laughs> needed to come to make that peace. A prince was coming. He was coming to mend this relationship. And what? So a baby is born and now there is peace on earth? Is that how it works? And like, babies are cute. This is Zion uh, as a baby. This is how he still sleeps. He's just like, hey guys. And so um, babies are cute and everything. They're amazing. But when they sleep, they look very peaceful, as he does right there. But what about when they wake up at 2 a.m.? Not so peaceful. Um, and they're crying, and there's no peace. Peace doesn't come along just because baby Jesus was born in a manger. It isn't a byproduct of Christmas cheer or other happy thoughts. Jesus' birth was only a prerequisite to his final peacemaking effort. Even though Jesus is here, our lives actually still had this fracture. And this is how our world is. Even though Jesus has come and has died, there is an expectation that all should be peaceful. Everything should be well. But the main reason Christ came was to make peace with us and God. Then actually we're going to start to see this beautiful array of movements that happen when we have this peace with God. Because when we have peace with God, or when God, or when Jesus came to bring that peace with that relationship with us and God, it then brought peace to ourselves. The angel literally says this, do not be fearing, be perceiving, for I am telling you the gospel. So this is the principle. Behold, and you won't be afraid. Behold, and you won't be afraid. So if we take time to comprehend what is in the gospel message, it will remove the fear that has dominated and darkened our lives. To the degree you truly behold, to the degree you truly gaze, to the you truly grasp, to you relish, to you internalize, to you rejoice in the gospel, to that degree the fears of your life actually will be undermined. So what is this gospel? This is the good news. And at what must we gaze at? It's this, that a Savior has come to bring peace with us and God, but then through that relationship, we have peace within our lives. So we can trust this Savior because he came completely helpless as a baby. It came from the throne to a manger. So you can trust him and you can give control of your life to Jesus. So you will not find shalom unless we completely surrender and behold the only Prince of Peace, and that is Jesus. And so this is the principle. You become what you behold. And so you begin to mirror what you begin to reflect, what you want to what you hold on to. When I was in high school, I wanted to look like a surfer. I tried my best. I grew my hair out long. Shocking, I know. But there was hair. It wasn't a wig, I promise. And so, um, and I had, you know, these like short, tight shirts. I don't know why, but like, and then these bell-bottom pants were actually a thing when I was 18, and then these moccasins. I looked like a surfer. I was beholding the look of a surfer. I became what I beheld, but definitely couldn't surf. And so, um, but you become what you behold. So if you're looking for peace, you want peace, you're going to only find it by beholding the Prince of Peace. So if you're longing for it, you're longing for peace, you need to draw closer to the Prince of Peace. He is with you, but if you don't engage with the Prince of Peace, you won't experience him. And so you see this transition, as I mentioned, right? We have peace with God, what Jesus came to do. Then through this Jesus, we begin to accept him and we have peace with ourselves in our lives. And so any sense of guilt or maybe anxiety that we're wrestling with that tends to paralyze us, that maybe tends to make us feel hopeless, is now fulfilled by Jesus. 
Philippians 4, 6-7 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In other words, roll your anxieties onto God is what it's saying. In the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There's this quote by a guy named Frederick Buechner. It says, For Jesus, peace seems to have meant not the absence of struggle, but the presence of his love. See, the picture here is that our hearts and our minds are under assault. I think we can really agree with that. We are constantly being bombarded with everything that the world has to offer and actually all the anxieties that the world puts on us. We think about those pictures from the beginning. They make us anxious. Every day is a battle for our mind because guilt, worry, threats, confusion, uncertainties, they all threaten our peace. And we face them every day. But here it's saying, draw close to the Prince of Peace. Behold the Prince of Peace. Be with the Prince of Peace. And those anxieties will roll away. Because what a beautiful, the, the, the fact that they use the word prince, there is a battle. There is a battle. The beautiful thing is that our Prince of Peace has won the battle. And we can draw close to him. And he will bring that peace that we so long for. It says he guards them with his peace. He guards them in a way that goes beyond what human understanding can fathom. So don't limit the peace of God by what, we, or what your understanding can see. He gives us this inexplainable peace in the toughest of situations. And I mean, when we moved here, we didn't know. Uh, we had a rental for eight months. So we had to get it for an extra month because we didn't have a space. And I remember... I was, we were not sure what we were going to do. We were going to be out of a place, maybe living at one of your homes. Who knows? Um, and so <laughs> and I had this tooth, uh, I had my first ever cavity, and it was a doozy. I was so bad that I had to get my tooth pulled. I was in such pain. And we had just put two offers in on a home, and none of those offers were accepted. And we we're looking at like a month being out of our rental, not knowing where we we're going to be. I remember sitting at the beach with Kim. We weren't talking. You know, if you have a spouse, you've been there. You know, like, we know what's going on. We're just going to stare. And so, uh, and I have a mouthful of gauze, so I couldn't talk anyways. And so, um, and just looked like a chubby bunny uh, sitting there on the beach. No peace. And then I remember we were just sitting there and we just saw an eagle. And then all of a sudden we just recognized, man, the Lord's good. Like, just remember that verse He'll rise you up on wings like eagles. And peace came upon us in the midst of craziness, in the midst of anxiety, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of not knowing. We just looked at there and I had this beautiful smile, just like white gauze popping out of my mouth. And we just like knew at that moment, peace had come. And this is what he does. He takes our anxieties. We need to take our anxieties to him in prayer. And trust him that he will carry them for us and he'll protect us. Because when we do this, we, when we come to him and we remember we already have peace with him. This is where the peace that we're so looking for is that it's located with Jesus. He has come to mend this peace between us, to mend this relationship between us and God that needed peace. So this is what so troubled the shepherds. They couldn't find peace. So when the angels came and, came and said, On earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests, 
This elated the shepherds because peace was here. So do this this Christmas. Take your anxieties to God. Tell him about them. Ask him to help you, to protect you, to restore your peace, and then to use your peace. And this is the last thing we do, is now we go and we make peace to others, make peace with others. Once there is vertical peace, then we can actually spread horizontal peace. We actually can't spread horizontal peace without this vertical peace being fixed. Between us and God, this needs to be fixed so we can have peace with this relationship, so we can experience the peace that the world needs. Then we can go out and spread the horizontal peace to those within our community. Christmas means that through the grace of God and the incarnation, peace with God is now available. And if you make peace with God, then you can go out and make peace with everybody else. You can spread this peace that we so longly looked for and now that we have. And so followers, this is huge for us today because Jesus tells us in Matthew that we are to be peacemakers. And so I ask the question, are we worried about making our agendas, you know what, and stances maybe on politics or current world news, what directs our conversations with those outside of this space? Or are we trying to lead people to Jesus so that they actually can have this vertical relationship so then this horizontal relationship can experience peace because this is how we're going to have peace on earth when people start to get the vertical relationship right. How about our Christian relationships between believers and believers? Do, you, do we spend more time, you know what, arguing with each other about what we're experiencing right now in the world? I know there's a lot going on in the world. We want to talk about it. But are, are we modeling a Christian relationship of building each other up and encouraging each other to go out and spread the gospel? And this is for me, myself, too, because we I'm caught up in this, but I recognize it, it messes with the peace that I, I have with Jesus. Because our Sundays, they do not define our Christianity. There are people out there who are being gravely affected by everything that's happening in our world right now. Small businesses are closing. Like, I don't know how many people are dying each day, but what I know is this, is that people are dying. Sickness and pain and death, they're still out there, and they're still prevalent, and people aren't going to heaven. They're not getting their vertical piece right. Families are being broken. Homelessness is still prevalent. And I feel like, you know, it's, the enemy can use any situation, current world situation that we are going through right now uh, to take our eyes off the mission of Christ to mess with our peace. So we can't spread peace. I'm going to call uh, the worship team up now. We're just going to end the close, but we're going to take communion here. Sometimes we worry about what our rights are. And our rights as Christians are found in the Great Commission to go out into the world, to share the gospel, to spread peace. This is how we are to bring peace to our world. The peace that people are looking for, you know, isn't this world peace between dueling nations. Yes, we want that. But peace has a name, and it's Jesus. This is what everybody in the world is actually looking for and longing for since the beginning. And we as peacemakers are people who through making peace with God have finally learned how to admit our flaws and our weaknesses, how to surrender our pride, how to love without the need to control every situation. And these new skills that we have give us enormous power to diffuse conflicts, to facilitate forgiveness, and to re bring reconciliation between people. Because as Christians, we should be fanning out into the world 
being peacemakers, agents of reconciliation among the races, among the classes, and among the members of families and between neighbors and between our, all, our, our neighbors' neighbors. We are to continue to be ones who keep this relationship right so we have peace so then we can go and spread peace. This is what the coming of Jesus means.